All right. We are here with a fantastic interview. I brought in my co-host, Will, and we are here with Rebecca Cohen. And Rebecca, I've been trying to get her on. I had some technical difficulties, figured that out, but finally was able to pin her down to do an interview. And this one's going to be a fantastic interview. So basically, Rebecca is... Uh, she was with the uh, Defense Intelligence Agency. Um, you reported, gave reports to NATO, to CIA, and and since 2008 till 2016, she is an author of a book that I read. This book right here. If you haven't gotten this book, you need to pick up this book. I'm telling you right now because everything that's going on, everything that you're confused about, once you read this book, it's going to make a lot of sense and you're going to understand it. And that's the key is knowing what's going on and being intelligent about it. This, So I bought the book. I downloaded it. I've been listening to it. I've taken notes. I've highlighted pages. Um, this is a book that everyone should own. So I do want to thank you for writing this and I do want to thank you for being on the show. So thank you so much, Rebecca, for coming on. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be with you guys, uh, Sage and Will. I'm delighted, um, you know, to uh, be here with you and your audience. Let's see what we can uh, cook up here. Absolutely. So we're going to go over the redacted. Everything that's redacted, that's what we're going to talk. No, just kidding. So there are <laughs> here. Um, that's in the book that are basically redacted, but I think I just want to kind of start in regards to like, you know, who you are, because you actually were born in Russia and a big part of writing this was the fact that you see what's happening here today from when you were living in Russia and it scares you. Um, so if you can kind of talk a little bit about like, you know, a little bit of your background, your childhood and, and, and how you got here, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. So, uh, as you said, I was born actually um, in the Soviet Union, former Soviet Union, before, and I came here before the country uh, fell apart into uh, 15 different uh, countries. But uh, the Soviet Union was a uh, Soviet socialist uh, state, and which is an atrocious system. It's total government control. And now that I'm here for 33 years, for the past uh, several years, what I've observed frightens me. And what I have observed is um, the evolution of our government into a totalitarian uh, state, not unlike the former USSR. Uh, what I'm talking about here is the censorship of um, you know, um, conservative voices and libertarian voices and basically uh, religious voices, any kind of voices that um, do not spread the so-called party line, which is what it was really like when I was growing up. Um, you know, what are we talking about here? You know, you can't really talk about an alternative view, right? You have to march along, you know, with all these, you know, the pronouns business and uh, uh, I, I don't know, it, it, it's like, you know, it's um, it's very, very disturbing to me. So, so, so basically uh, what I'd like to tell to people, this is how it starts. Um, plurality of opinions is the bedrock of democracy. And when I just came here, it was perfectly fine to sit at the table uh, with a person who has the opposite view and you just talked respectfully 
and uh, you just agreed, you know, agreed on some things, disagreed on others, and you know, it was perfectly fine. Um, for the past couple of years, you can't even talk at the Thanksgiving dinner with your family who disagree with you on things like, you know, you know, ab abortion and right to uh, life or, you know, the Second Amendment, the right to uh, protect yourself. And that's just uh, terrible because the minute you start eliminating plurality of opinion and everybody thinks the same, you know, groupthink, it presents a threat, not only like from the standpoint that um, everybody, you know, uh, be becomes to be under control of whoever entity, whatever the entity, whether it's the government or whoever wants you to think all the same, but it's also a national security threat. Because as you remember, uh, what happened in the intelligence uh, arena, right? There was the whole collusion, you know, business that ended up to be a complete, you know, propaganda and false and the Hunter Biden laptop that was supposed to be the disinformation. So, or COVID, you know, there was a suppression of an, a, a perfectly reasonable analytic line, right? That was uh, leaked from a lab. So, but if you can't get to the ground truth, you're on the path to eventual destruction and the totalitarian state. And that's what frightens me. Right. And, and this, uh, and a big portion, well, a, a huge portion is probably is because some of the disinformation and because of what Russia does to change the mindsets of the people in this country to basically implode. He's, he's allowing us to implode because of, you know, through uh, lawfare and, and, and basically he's freedom of speech. And here we're finding out that he's using that against us. And, and that's a big deal that people don't understand, correct? They absolutely do not. Uh, you're 100% correct, uh, Sage, because they think everything is a legitimate information. Right. And, and it's really not. And uh, with the proliferation of technology, uh, what we have is like we can have in the palm of our hands a gadget that presents to you, bombards you really with uh, information that is not, you know, uh, legitimate, if, if you will. Right. So I'll give you an example uh, when um, when I traveled uh, for work, like if you go to Europe, um, you check in into a hotel and you turn on your TV and guess which channel pops up first. It was RT. Well, RT used to be Russia Today. It was created, it's, it's uh, Vladimir Putin's uh, pet project. It was created specifically with the purpose of uh, providing information or more accurately, disinformation um, to favorably predispose the international audiences towards the Russian worldview and uh, to spread basically the, the, the Russian version of reality, if you will. But the way that they do this, uh, Sage and uh, Will, is a very, very, in a very sophisticated manner. Because what they do is they hire 
And by the way, they broadcast in multiple languages. Uh, in addition to uh, English, there are a lot of other uh, languages. So this is an effort to transform you know, the public opinion around the globe, if you will. But with regard to, let's say, the English language, they would get native speakers of English, either British, Australians, or Americans, and they would interview people, and they, um, you know, and Americans, we uh, like to be, at least, you know, until a couple of years ago, um, you know, most of us were uh, free to speak our mind, right? And and I still try to do that. I speak truth to power. And uh, this is why uh, sometimes I uh, get in trouble with the government. So you get a person, you get an American, and the American starts, you know, speaking the truth and let's say criticize the government. And then they take that episode, RT, and they put it out of context and they get a bunch of this stuff and then it looks like America is a horrible country right mm -hmm. and so they they make a collage out of it and then so what Putin did was he even uh changed he you know did the executive order or however he does things um and he turned Russia today into RT. So he concealed the whole affiliation, right? And until uh, with the Russian government, and until recently, uh, people didn't even um, it, uh, 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 like today, they don't even know. And so they watch this and think that's legitimate. And another uh, tactic that they do, they would weave in, like they would, let's say, provide mostly truthful information, right? But they would weave in a kernel of like a, some really awful disinformation and people believe it. And even in this country, like today, I sometimes argue with some conservatives that uh, who think that Putin is great and he's this great, you know, Russian Christian Orthodox and whatever. Remember how he was able to uh, convert, you know, former President Bush himself somehow that he to make him believe that he was this uh, devout person. I mean, this is how this works. And it's really, really uh, disturbing. Go ahead, Will. Yeah, I had. Uh, so I, my question is kind of more of your opinion, but. So, like, uh, some of these major disinformation pieces um, seem to be, like, they involve, like, uh, high-level uh, politicians and, and people at the top of, like, news agencies that are making decisions and stuff. Do you think, do you think it's more that they're just fooled, too? Or are they, do they know what's going on and they're just going along with the narrative? Are they fooled so easily by... Is it just the day we live in that if you put out the right amount of information or misinformation through the right sources, you can fool anybody? So um, just to clarify your question, Will, you mean the American sources of, of information? Yes. Yeah, so like um, so like, let's say like uh, let's say like Russia Gate or whatever you want to call it, the collusion. Like there were some high level politicians that seemed like they actually believe this. And then like CNN was pushed to MSNBC, um, famous people like. Do you think they were all fooled or do, do, do you think that some of them are just going along with it for more of a political narrative or a social narrative because it's, you know, it's against the guy they didn't like? Or is the disinformation so good that they're even fooled? They, they believe what they're saying, even though it's it doesn't always add up to the truth. We left off the, the question that I was asking you was like, um, 
So they were they were like uh, really high up politicians and really high up uh, people in our American media that were pushing like uh, the Russia collusion story. Is the disinformation so good that they actually, uh, in your opinion, do you think they actually believe the disinformation and they thought they were fighting a an honorable fight against Trump and the collusion? Or do you think that this is more of a case of like uh, the enemy of my enemy uh, or the, the friend of my enemy kind of deal to where they're just like, what's well, against the guy I don't like? So uh, we're going to keep running with it. Do you think do you think we just live in a day where anybody can be fooled? The disinformation is just that good? So uh, you're making some great points. Uh, well, I think it's actually both. It's a combination of things. So in the intelligence business, we uh, have this concept of uh, cognitive bias, right? And um, uh, maybe, you know, there, there's this picture that um, there's a well-known picture, it's an example. And if you look at it from different angles, you can either see a, a, a like a beautiful lady with a hat or you can see an ugly um, grandma type, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yep, so, it's a list. yep. So this is how they teach us about the cognitive bias. And so I think what it is, is uh, people, you know, I mean, it's no secret that people on the left really hated Trump, right? He was he was either he was loved by uh, half of the population, which is why he won, right? And then he was hated by the other half. And it is a known fact that media generally, um, well, not media, let's just say to be more precise, like journalists uh -huh. and media people are predominantly um on the left they are liberal right even because they went through the same schools that you know they they teach all these uh, ideologies that basically now uh remind remind me of the way that i was indoctrinated you know mm -hmm. and, and this whole socialism you know business i've written about it um about the danger of socialism and people misunderstand really what it is. And so I think what happened was because of this cognitive bias, right? People believe that, yeah, Trump was, you know, so bad that he colluded with Putin. And believe it or not, to this day, even now that the whole thing was debunked by none else than uh, Robert Mueller himself and then, and then John Durham, uh, people still believe that Trump somehow is Putin's agent. People ask me if like Trump would be selling um, classified information to Putin and uh, which is complete nonsense, right? And if we right. get to this point, I would like, you know, later during the show to demonstrate um, how uh, Trump's uh, Russia policy was actually the, the strongest uh, since Ronald Reagan, right? So, but, 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 and here's what happened. So I think at first, because they wanted to believe so much that Trump was this bad person. So they ran with the narrative that um, some corrupt intelligence officials put out there. Um, John Brennan, the former uh, DNI, Director of National Intelligence. Uh, John, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, James Clapper is the DNI. John Brennan was the former CIA director. I actually briefed him himself, uh, myself. 
um, on some stuff. And uh, and uh, James Comey, the FBI director. So those three, three are the ones who actually uh, colluded and weaponized the entire intelligence apparatus against their political opponent, right? Which is totally Soviet task. And um, and so, and I think that's what happened. Like sometimes the, it was disinformation, sometimes it's cognitive bias, and then other times it's outright basically um, the end justifies the means because the MSNBC and like like very specific you know hosts there they know they no longer even hide the fact that what their true mission is and right. so that is what happened but um um just one final point because it's also it this this disease and to to me it's like real cancer um because there's another point that uh well um, you didn't mention, and that is uh, self-censorship. So um, I, I, I don't want to keep the monologue here, but if, if we can get to that at some point uh, in, in this episode, I'd like to address that part as well. Sure. Well, absolutely. I'm, sure, I'm sure Russia Russia probably knows that too, right? They So they're, they're feeding into what you already want to believe. So if they know that you're a conservative type or a Trump supporter – they might feed one narrative, especially like through social media or what you see or what you're, uh, what's sent to you. And then if they know that you're you're already predisposed to not like Trump so much because you're on the other side, they're they're getting not only by it being put in front of them, but by the stuff you search, right? So you're not you're probably if you already dislike Trump, you're probably not going to search for Russia debunked and and how was it and how was this go through? You're probably you're probably setting yourself up to just keep confirming your own bias over and over again. You nailed sense. it. You nailed it. This is actually the crux of the whole, you know, disinformation and influence operations. That's a whole another, you know, area. Um, influence operations. So the Russian concept, and uh, Sage, since you read the book, uh, I addressed there the concept of reflexive control that lies at the heart of this whole, you know, uh, we call it in in the United States, psychological operations that, well, you probably know since you're a former sure. army officer, and uh, the Russian version is the reflexive control where you study your adversary um, very, very scrupulously and, and, and you gain deep understanding so that you serve the information that they are more likely to believe. Like you said, nobody, it's, it's almost like impossible or very difficult to convert somebody, you know, radically from one, like if you believe, you know, uh, that socialism is this great system, you're not going to be you know, converted that capitalism is is the best system, right? And uh, ironically, half of the population seems like in America right now uh, believe that that is the case. And they like, people sometimes argue with me, you know, saying that, oh, socialism is a wonderful system. And they give me examples of like Denmark and Europe, and they have no idea what socialism is. And they, uh, one lady on the Twitter was, was saying, oh, this author has no idea what socialism is. And I'm like, really? And isn't it amazing that people who've never lived under socialism mm -hmm. 
you know, they are the ones promoting it. <laughs> and right. uh, so that's that's the uh, reflex of control, right? Like you said, it's they target. It's a very, very ta tailored uh, targeting. And then, so they expect the target, right? Which is us, which is, um, you know, various people uh, in America to take the action based on that information that is consistent with their belief. And so what happens since we are in that collusion business, right? The, the, the steel dossier, that's another, you know, the, the, the Brit, um, uh, Christopher, he hated, you know, uh, Trump so much. So the Russians served up that Igor Donchenkov, right? Who gave the whole, you know, dirt, crazy like the all these pee, pee stories right that yeah. like if you read it like any normal person like when you read that stuff you know that it's all bogus right you know that it's somebody you know created that for yeah. the russians probably themselves you know are laughing that they can't believe that somebody actually believes that stuff and right. I encourage all of your read or uh, listeners rather to just go just for kicks and just to see to read that stuff and use your brain and like you will see that it's complete craziness. And so, but because the Russians knew that Dunch, uh, that uh, Steele was such a Trump hater that he would believe anything, and then he would propagate all that nonsense through the FBI and then you know various other people just took it and ran with it and uh, my assessment is is that some in the intelligence community fell victim to that disinformation and they thought it was true but and then started acting upon it and then by the time that they realized that it was bogus they have gone so far by submitting right false, you know, fraudulent Pfizer applications four times, not one, not two, four times to um, to put Carter Page under 24 surveillance, atrocious, right? Carter Page was, is not only your citizen, he risked his life to get information from the Russians and give it to the intelligence community to us because he was a CIA asset. Well, those, you know, terrible, you know, I don't, want to use bad language on your show uh people those bad people uh basically destroyed carter page's career right so then they started running with it the whole intelligence you know apparatus started running with it and trump basically the his entire first um um term first term basically uh, term yeah. right yeah. First and so far the only the only one. Let's see what happens next. Uh, was fighting not only against the external adversaries like Russia and China, he was under severe attack from his own, you know, media and intelligence community. I mean, isn't that Stalin-esque and Putin-esque and Soviet-esque? I mean, think about that. And the same thing we've had with the Hunter Biden uh, laptop, right? Uh, again, a whole another lie. And so when your intelligence community starts uh, enabling the governing power, destroy their political op opponent, then you are on the road, on the path to a uniparty system. And that's totalitarianism.
Right, and and I would, and some of the stuff that you talk to from your book is is a good point. Is they're not only doing it, and you say this, they're not only doing it on that level, but they're doing it on our level too, the regular people. So it's multi leveled, and and Putin doesn't like Trump. He doesn't really like anybody, but but, but Russia. You know, he'll he'll work with Xi because it helps him. And you say this, but and you describe it. It, it, it basically is. When the Soviet Union was was the Soviet Union and broke apart, the military and, and some of the assets that they had weren't as big. So they really focused on disinformation as their main weapon, almost like you said, stronger than a nuke at some point, because this collapsed us on everything from the government all the way down to the people on both sides. Like in your book, you talk about George Floyd and it says he they immediately jumped on that. Yes. Said, hey, let's roll with it. Um, and, and because they want us fighting and then they want our government fighting and they want our FBI fighting and they want our politicians fighting. And it is it's such a powerful thing that this is some of the stuff that you talk about. So at, it, on, a, on a level with us, what is some of the stuff that they do on just the, the regular civilian level? Like some of the tactics that they're using with us also. Well, like you said, so they equate cyber to nuclear in terms of the strategic effect. What is a strategic effect? Strategic effect is uh, when you talk about nuclear weapons, right? Removing, having the country um, destroyed is a strategic effect. But that uh, with the nuclear, there's a mushroom cloud, right? And you permanently uh, destroy the not only the country but possibly civilization but what the russians are saying the russian uh, strategist and they believe me they have studied our society for, for years with that specific person so they're they're basically saying you can destroy the fabric of the society completely and turn it into the the like the dictatorial um uh, illiberal, undemocratic society without the mushroom cloud, but over the long term. And this is why, um, if you remember, uh, there were 10 elite, they routinely infiltrate agents, right? Sleeper, we call them either like deep cover sleeper agents, but the, the 10, they pose as Americans, right? Um, the, the 10 that Obama expelled um, and deported back to Russia, um, unfortunately, instead of flipping them over and, and making them double agent and uh, work for us, he gave them back up um, to Russia. But what they were here to do is uh, first study the society and the dynamics that, uh, that we have. Like you said, they target both sides because they want, according to the doctrine, there's an actual doctrine called um, controlled instability or controlled chaos. So if you target these various groups, you can divide the country along, you know, political, religious, um, ethnic lines and, you know, all of these various, presenting them all of these various themes. And, uh, and this is what's happening. And the reason, and, and we see that and it's not only Russia, by the way, um, uh, Sage and uh, well, China does the same thing. Remember Fang Fang, right? Yes. He, the, the, the Chinese operative, she got um, super close, uh, pun intended to our Congressman Eric Swalwell. Right. right? And, um, and the reason that those 10 Russian um, 
covert agents were uh, nabbed by the FBI. The timing of it, uh, the reason FBI had to pull the plug at that particular moment is because they um, started getting too close to the Hillary Clintons in a circle. So that is uh, what's going on. But at this point, in the Russians actually, it's not just um, Putin who did that. They started doing it um, pretty much ever like since 1920s. And um, uh, developing that kind of doctrine. And then when the relations uh, between the USSR and the United States uh, were established, which was not until like 30s, I think. Mm -hmm. The Soviet Union uh, got formed in 1917 as a result of the revolution. Um, just what I'm afraid might be happening here right. if, if this whole, you know, descent, if this whole, you know, nightmare, the polarization doesn't stop. But um, so when the relations were established, the Russians started sending, you know, these communist um, uh, propagandists to infiltrate the society. And then eventually they like penetrated the academia and then it's the gift that keeps on giving because the once you once you convert the academia, they start teaching the next generation, right, of of, of socialists and communists effectively, and um, it doesn't matter what you tell them. Like you can't even argue sometimes with some of these academics, right, because they are so convinced, even though they themselves. They've never lived under socialism. They never go to Russia, China, Venezuela. And I always like to like point out to people, like if you are so in love with socialism, pack up your bags and go and live in some of these countries, like go for a year, right? And uh, I guarantee you they're going to come back and kiss the ground, that's <laughs> my hope, uh, in America on which they land. Because like every time if I travel abroad, like every time I come, I'm like, thank you, God. Like, thank you, God, for letting me, you know, be here in America. And that's why I want my children and my children's children to like worship you know, what this country stands for, but also save it. We need to save it from this craziness that's going on. Right. Good one. Yes. Yeah, so uh, while, we're talking about, while we're talking about saving it, is there, is there a way that, that how, how in your ideal world, I guess, how would this be dealt with? How do you, with the way social media is now and the way that disinformation spread and how many people are hooked on it, how do you even how do you even combat this in modern day? Is there a way to combat it? Um, how would you start? Well, that's an excellent question. Uh, well, I am uh, start with your children. Okay, it's a it's a hard one because I'm I'm trying to combat it every day with my children, and uh, often I lose the fight. I'll tell you because. Uh, it starts so early and there's this groupthink mentality, right? Because everybody needs to have a phone right now. And once you give it to your child, you can't control what they what they watch. And the Chinese, for example, this whole TikTok business, that's a Chinese intelligence operation, right? It's uh -huh. uh, it's on par with what the Chinese are doing with uh, with fentanyl. 
because the, the grand strategy for China is to destroy our next generation of Americans because China's um, uh, goal is to replace the United States as the dominant economic and military power by uh, 2049. It's an official policy, okay? Huh. They, don't, they don't, you know, advertise it, but it's codified in their doctrine. Uh, Xi Jinping is pursuing uh, the, the, the path of the national rejuvenation so right. that uh, on the... 100th anniversary of the creation of the People's Republic, they are economically and militarily the top dog. And so that's why they're using these various uh, ways to, uh, uh, to subvert our country, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so the Russians are doing the same, but the Russians are doing it for a different reason. Um, they, the Russians don't plan to... Um, you know, to, to they realize they're quite realistic, right? They're not the economically, they're not going to be the dominant power because, you know, their energy is their main sort of um, economic uh, asset, although they've been using it quite effectively as a weapon. Uh, but the Russians are doing it because they've decided that um, the U.S. and NATO are the top threat, number one, um, because they believe that we... Um, aggressively are moving into their sphere of influence. And right now, the war in Ukraine that Putin is waging is uh, is basically a proxy war, but that's a whole different topic. I don't know if you want to go into that, but um, it's a proxy war between the United States and right. Russia over control of Eurasia, of which Ukraine is part of. Right. And uh, the Russians believe that it's not only their sphere of in interests, privilege interests and influence, it's their security perimeter on which they relied for a thousand, you know, more than a thousand years for security because the the, the idea is you trade enemies, um, uh, uh, you trade territory for enemies' blood, meaning that all the wars came with the exception of Mongol, Tatar, um, uh, forces and the yoke that um, that lasted uh, for 100 plus years, uh, all other wars came from the West. And so the paranoia that developed, you know, in the Russian culture is driving that uh, protective instinct. And that's why they fight in Ukraine, because they believe it's an existential threat for them, the, the, the uh, democratization and all this stuff that we, that our Washington establishment, you know, pursues. Somehow we decided that anybody can have a democracy, even in Afghanistan, and we put in money towards that and, and all that business. So, um, so that is how these countries, you know, Russia, China, and others actually do this sort of stuff. And uh, we are unwitting and people uh, unfortunately can't open their, you know, eyes. And, um, and so it's not easy, Will. And I think uh, we should start with our children. Uh, everybody should do that. And then the second thing, um, I'm sorry, it's a long answer to your question here. Okay. 
but um, to, uh, all these, the Twitter, the all of these social media companies, they have no business controlling information, which is what they do right now. Algorithmically, they are basically enabling Russia and China divide our society because the algorithm is designed uh, in such a way that they serve you up information that you are more likely to believe and they just give more and more and people are driven into two separate corners, you know, ending up hating each other. And also there's a suppression of certain information, right? Remember when COVID was um, in, um, in the in just in the beginning, you couldn't say on Twitter um, that uh, it possibly originated from the lab leak. And that was a, a valid analytic line and, and, and other things. And, and so they need to stop doing that. But how do we do that as a regular person? You or me, you know, uh, Sage and Will and Rebecca, we can't do anything. Like, right. I think the people need to demand this. And I don't know how that, how you can convince Mark Zuckerberg and all these other, you know, dudes, all of them were ed educated in the same universities that taught that, you know, um, worldview and the, and um, yeah, it's it's a tough one. Yeah, sure. and here's the other thing too. So a couple things. So a lot of the stuff that I've told I told you in email we deal with is boots on the ground, seeing the disinformation from the personal level, right? Mm -hmm. uh, before I jump into that, because we're going to dive into that a little bit. Some of the stuff that you you wanted to talk about also was what Trump did, and I remember look in there that you basically said I think it was August, but August in 2018, he actually did an EBS and the EBS was sent out for the presidential thing uh, because there, this isn't an actual fear. Like he actually started pushing hard against Russia and he was actually worried about how what would Putin do um, if he started pushing hard. So he, he at least tried to stop this because I think he started to realize that, OK, Putin's not my friend. He's really trying to take down him. He might have fooled me in the beginning, but he's really not my friend. Uh, he wants to take this down. And he did do some stuff to try to push back to the point that he needed to get the EBS system working, making sure. Correct. So. Um, so, yes. Um, and uh, I remember very well. Yes, I was at first I was worried that Trump misunderstood Putin. Right. And uh, at one point I was uh, I was interviewed for a very senior position in the Pentagon for a um, um, in the Trump administration, and they were asking me questions like, how would you basically, um, you know, whether Trump, whether Russia would help um, the United States with counterterrorism operations and help us in Syria. And so because that was the idea that Trump had. And I was like, no, 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 that, that just ain't going to happen. And I remember the interviewer didn't like that because they want to choose somebody who's going to be, you know, on board with the policy. But, you know, as an intelligence officer, and at that point, I was already um, not in the intelligence community. Uh, I was on my own, but you have to tell the truth, right? Because, uh, uh, what, 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 you know, you don't want... Um, you don't want to give the wrong idea to the president, and and of course I wasn't selected, you know, for the position because uh, I I you know um, so anyway, and then later I started seeing how Trump was pushing hard 
and because I figure, okay, he must have received his, you know, intelligence briefings, and and uh, if if he now knows what I knew, and I had very very high, you know, level of uh, of clearance and all the various reading tickets and compartments, and uh, at some point, you know, I would brief commanders that that you know four stars that even their deputy couldn't sit in on the briefing right. uh, because they didn't have that level of access. So so I knew uh, that Trump must really have gotten his briefings. And so the top three things that Trump did uh, to uh, that really struck in the heart of, uh, of Russia's entire anti-US doctrine and strategy, um, here they are. So first, he authorized offensive cyber operations against foreign adversaries such as Russia in the event that they, you know, conduct uh, cyber intrusions and um, against us. So until then, the NSA and the other entity that we have um, can't talk about it uh, that does this sort of thing. Their hands were tied, right? All these. You know, our networks have just just been cleaned out, okay, for 20 years. The very first cyber operation um, was called uh, Moonlight Maze when the Russians, and that's 20 years ago, uh, basically exfiltrated massive amounts of data from, you know, uh, government, military, civilian networks, all the way to, like, uh, weapons labs. We never did anything about it, you know, Pentagon White House, State Department were hacked, you know, Obama's uh, unclassified emails were read, you know, uh, by foreign adversaries. Right. So, and nothing was done. So Trump is the one who did that, right? The second thing, oh, another thing in that category occurred to me uh, as we talk. Um, so we're still on thing number one, which is cyber. He kicked out Kaspersky antivirus software <laughs> out of the government networks. I mean, only in America, only government, because these bureaucrats are so dumb, pardon my French, we had Kaspersky software, antivirus software deployed on our US government networks. Who is Kaspersky? Eugene Kaspersky, the head of the company, is a former KGB officer. Oh, no. And, and that information is not even a secret. He was giving interviews to our own Wired magazine where he didn't hide the fact. So so who who has the cojones, if you will, to kick out the Kaspersky antivirus like software out of US government networks? He was former President Donald Trump, right? Who everybody hates, who is supposedly Putin's puppet, right? If you listen to the leftist media. So, okay, number two, what did he do? He stood up the space forces, U.S. space forces. This is a big topic too, yes. Huge. The Russians, guess when the Russians stood up their space force? In 2001. The mm -hmm. minute we had a report come out uh, by... Um, commissioned by the Rumsfeld Commission, Donald Rumsfeld, you know, the former SACDEF, uh, the vulnerabilities that were identified um, with our reliance on space, because all our war fighting operations are conducted through space, right? Satellites, 
you know, we do navigation, we do targeting, we do missile warning, we do intelligence collection, all of that. And so, and of course, Russia and China know that. So the Russians stood up their space force with a counter space element in them uh, to A, protect their own satellites and their own assets and defeat ours, right? So the Russians stood theirs up, uh, their space force. It took us, again, what, 17 years. Nobody bothered until Trump came in and, and everybody was laughing at him. Like I remember Jen Psaki, you know, that smart genius, um, when she was asked a question, you know, in a briefing about, you know, something about President Trump's space force, and she just like laughed about it. Like, um, so he did that because he understood um, what the uh, what the deal was with the Russian doctrine and the Chinese doctrine targeting our strategic advantage, which is our space um, capabilities, but it's also our strategic vulnerability. And then the um, the third thing that he did, he authorized the development of the low yield nuclear warhead for our own. Um, arsenal and why did he do that and that's really what's interesting about this guys is that there's this myth right that somehow trump was an idiot and he didn't read his you know intelligence briefings and this and that but to do this sort of thing you really have to understand your adversary and i believe that he did or at minimum he listened to and i'm you know, colleagues with some of the people who used to work for him. Uh, so either he understood himself, which I believe he did, and I never met the guy, only, you know, um, right. like you, um, but or he believed his advisors who told him. So, so why did he do that? Because Russian doctrine of limited nuclear war is developed specifically with the idea that um, they would one day end up in a war with the United States. In fact, they believe such a war is inevitable. And if you look right now at what's going on in Ukraine, it's un it's rolling out just the way, just like you said, Sage, uh, as I described in Putin's playbook, mm -hmm. uh, because we are fighting like the escalation could happen you know, at, at any time at this point, because Putin is cornered. And so because the Russians knew that they're conventionally inferior, right? We are our forces um, uh, conventionally superior, right? What, what do I mean by conventionally for your listeners? It's the, uh, it's the precision uh, guided munitions, non-nuclear, right? Non-nuclear um, uh, weaponry. And so if we got into a conflict, we would beat them hands down unless they brought in the nuke component. And obviously today, you know, the Russians, um, the, the nuclear doctrine is no longer like a, a, a strike out of the blue uh, sky, right? Because it's not strategic nukes because they don't want to destroy the civilization, obviously. And that is specifically why they developed that low yield warhead tactical nuke, uh, which is about one third in terms of the power that we dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And the fallout will be contained in, in the theater. And But the idea is to a either deter us from intervening in the conflict, such as the one that's right now they're fighting in Ukraine and we are helping, you know, Ukraine with weaponry, um, 
but if 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 like um, Russia decides to to further escalate and Ukraine is losing, chances are that we might intervene. Judging by what the Secretary of Defense right. Lloyd Austin uh, said, that we want to degrade Russia's military and weaken its economy, so Putin doesn't do that again. Well, the idea of that limited nuclear war and popping a tactical nuke in the theater to either deter us or like stun us so that there's a tactical pause during which they could launch a massive escalation. Well, Trump understood that and he wanted to, to have us have the same, you know, type of capability, which would negate Putin's entire doctrine. And guess what happened when Biden came to power? He canceled. He canceled the program. Mm. I mean, it's like you can't make this stuff up. And now I'm hearing from my sources that uh, Congress is looking at it and they're trying to revive. But it's not the kind of thing like these things take years, right, to develop another capability. Right especially with tactical nukes and the American population is so like, it's a hot button, right? Somehow because people like all these peaceniks, right? To me, it's peace through strength. The reason you develop capabilities is to deter so you don't have to use it, but it's a hot button. And and um, anyway, so Trump did these things. And then um, t at the sort of at the tactical level, Trump also authorized a, a strike in Syria on Russian mercenaries that um, eliminated 300 um, Russians off the battlefield. So he did not hesitate. No, Trump never called, you know, Putin like any terrible names like like Biden. He's a killer or this or that or he's a war criminal. But what's the what's the point? Trump knew that a is make a difference. Putin is not afraid of words. Trump acted and also Trump understood that once you call somebody this name, you can't deal with them. Trump was a lot more sophisticated because he's a business person. He had to deal with all kinds of, you know, people in the business world, right? And and sometimes you have to button them up and and like not be as uh, you know as um, abrupt with them. Sometimes you do, and but he always carried a very sharp stick, and that's in my view, that's a lot more effective than what. Um, the current administration is doing. Go, Will. Man, I, I don't. Uh, so, for someone like you, and 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 the information that you've been privy to, um, it seems like uh, it seems like this is this is something that you've obviously thought a lot about, and worried about, and concerned about. And it seems like the rest of us should be concerned about. But do you feel like? A lot of people, like the people that I run into, uh, even even uh, even Biden himself has has um, kind of dismissed Russia and China and their influence and and blah blah blah. You feel like uh, America as a whole is just is just missing it. They're not they're not putting enough uh, time or energy or or even thinking about it. They're just kind of blowing it off because it seems like a a major issue. And I don't feel like uh, I don't feel like we're doing a lot to handle it under the current administration or. Or even uh, even people in just the population in general, or no social media seems to be upset about it. I was telling Sage backstage when we had the disconnect. There's a YouTube channel right now that is um, fighting RT because they're RT stealing their content and then doing uh, voiceovers from this really good uh, like background video and the exact opposite, like propaganda pieces on it. 
And like YouTube, uh, the, the one channel is suing RT. YouTube sent lawyers to defend RT's YouTube channel. Like it, it seems like social media is almost playing into it. And everybody else is just pretending like all this influence just isn't there. Do you feel like we're we're vastly underestimating what's going on? And and is it too late? Can we, can we still change something? Um. So I definitely do believe we are underestimating. Um. But in the defense of the American people, American people a are so busy. The, we're just trying to like you know make a living right and 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 go do and most people you know i'm i'm blessed to now uh, being able to work for myself right but i you know i work every day you know now once you work for yourself you're like always um but most people you know they go into the office and they have to show up and they have to like and work hard to feed their families and um and they also bombarded with all this other stuff. I mean, there's there's the Kardashians or whatever else people watch, right? And yeah, sometimes you just want to relax and watch the silly stuff. So so there's that. And then in terms of our government, that's another, you know, so so yes, as a regular person, you 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 can't make a change, right? Because you're you're powerless. In in the reason why we elect these officials, and the reason why we have these intelligence services and the entire national security apparatus is so that they do their job protecting the country. But what happens is, uh, unfortunately, a there's a whole bunch of bureaucrats, right, um, that are in the government. Because remember, like, there's the government is just so, um, it was very eye-opening to me, um, guys, mm-hmm. uh, the gov- working for the government. And I love my job, okay? I just, it's the best career in the whole world. But the whole bureaucratic aspect of it drove me crazy it reminded me of the soviet union because guess who goes in to work in the government it's like you know it's either people who are super passionate you know right. and want to do the mission and there were a bunch of us right and mission first protect america but then this whole other contingent of people who could never get a real job like in the in the private sector right and they couldn't get anywhere else and they are there and what they do is they just basically make your life miserable because uh because they are they're they're bureaucrats and so they don't understand the mission and they are the ones that basically are hindering all the work that could have been done to protect the country against the Russians and the Chinese and 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 other dudes because what what's going on right now unfortunately is the um, the unintended consequences of the whole sanctions policy was which is completely myopic and destructive in the long term for America so um, the, the there's a coalition of dictators that is emerging right now with Russia, China, North Korea, and Iran. And so we are facing like not 
like just a one-headed monster. It used to be the Soviet Union and the communism. It's now two-headed monster, Russia, China, and they are no limit partnership, right? They just met Putin and Xi. By the way, the Shanghai Corporation, yeah. uh, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Shanghai Corporation Organization, the SCO, which is kind of like an Asian version um, of, uh, of the EU and NATO, and they are solidifying their uh, relations. But then plus North Korea and Iran, right? Iran is now providing drones to, to Putin. North Korea is, um, is uh, uh, shipping uh, workers to, <laughs> to Russia. And uh, uh, I'll just mention one thing that I just thought was funny. Um, for your listeners here, yeah. the, uh, one of the deputy uh, prime ministers, um, uh, the Russian one, uh, was answering some of the journalists' questions and uh, about why why does Russia need North Korean workers and and this guy said I think Novak was his name he said well the North Koreans uh, have the productivity that two and a half times higher than the Russian work construction workers which I thought that was pretty funny you know because um, the Russians like to drink and do all sorts do of other stuff yeah <laughs> so. Yeah. So yeah, but so so to answer your question is that you know it's, yeah it's the bureaucracy and then the politicization right because right. Uh, you know d d uh, uh, Biden uh, son you know Hunter Biden and that whole situation with the laptop that was supposedly disinformation but it's not it's actually true you know and and like the whole like Burisma business a bunch of these countries are so so corrupt, right? Ukraine is corrupt, just like Russia. It's 180, I think 23rd, if I'm if I'm correct, out of uh, one about 180 or so on the corruption scale, right? Zelensky's uh, whole campaign was bankrolled, presidential campaign was bankrolled by a notorious uh, Ukrainian oligarch, Igor Kalamoisky. Uh, who himself and his entire family is on no entry list to the United States, right? It's you can find this information, but you can't say anything like that in the regular media, right? Because you immediately would be um, would be called Putin's puppet and pro Kremlin, whatever. I get attacked by both sides, uh, by the way. <laughs> so, but on your show, this is why I love shows like this, like like your guys's show. Uh, is because I can speak the truth and be myself, right? I criticize both sides. You know, the Russians are out there to defeat the United States, the Chinese are, but Ukrainians are corrupt as hell. And the whole, you know, Burisma situation, but you, because you can't bring it up because there's a lot of politicization, um, right? So, and that that is what preventing our country from taking these threats head on. But in order to do that, you have a, you have to understand it and then you have to develop a strategy. And so if you have to fight all these bureaucratic fights and if you can't, you know, get to ground truth because you can't say that, oh, you have a president whose son, you know, uh, took a bunch of money from all these various countries, then you can't really identify that threat and develop that strategy. And that is what's concerning to me. And honestly, I don't know if it's too if it's too late. It may not be too late, but I just don't see the path in the political 
uh, will, if you will, from both sides. Because what happens if, like, this one-party system actually takes root in America? That's what's frightening me. Right. Them trying to bring in a certain, like, um, a very specific demographically uh, segment of the population, like the immigrant community who are going to vote in a very specific way, that's a path again to a one-party system. And and at that point, you can't effectively counter the Russia, China, Iran, whatever, because you can't identify what the ground truth is. Right. And I think I have, uh, say, hold on, oh. I have one more, one more question to that. So like, obviously, I don't think it is, but it doesn't seem like it's no accident that uh, we pride ourselves in freedom of speech and blah, blah, blah. And even if we don't always keep that up, we, we still pride ourselves in it and judge other countries for not having it. Uh, it doesn't seem like an accident that some of these tools like social media that are being used to, against us and, and, and to change the narrative and, and to fortify people's beliefs of information or misinformation, they're not even allowed in a lot of these other countries that are, or at least not unredacted versions. I know that um, Russia has a, like a version of Facebook, but it's not like our Facebook. And they have a version of a, a almost like a YouTube, but it's not like ours. Is that, I guess that's when they know how powerful these tools are, that's probably one of the reasons they keep them out of their country, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, and not only they keep that those things out of their country, they have the whole propaganda machine that almost the entire um, Russian media are controlled either directly or implicitly <clears throat> by the Russian government. So if you take Pravda Izvestia, Rasiska uh, Gazeta, which is a Russian national gazette, uh, sort of they are like officially uh, Russian government propaganda, but then oh, like they don't say it's propaganda, but they say it's an official government agency, you know, TAS, right, Interfax. Um, but the rest of them, they know very well that if they publish information that's not like aligning with the party line, what can happen? They can either be shut down, like the Nova Gazeta that was recently um lost their printing license and their online license or or worse right the the journalists have been targeted for, for, for decades by the uh, russian government you know anna politkovskaya who covered the chechen war uh was um was shot in the elevator of her own home and you know things like that we know all that so but what i wanted to mention also i think it would um goes with your point is the re return to self-censorship uh here i think we i feel like almost our uh media at least definitely social media and some of the um you know, the others, they have learned, you know, and taken a page out of Putin's playbook by um, censoring uh, stuff. Like, for example, so, so what do I mean by that? Like, I cannot, let's say I write an op-ed. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you a very concrete example, except I'm not going to tell you who specifically which um publications those were i wrote an op-ed how the um basically we are on the path 
that Ukraine is becoming an Afghanistan type of fiasco, right? What happened in Afghanistan? We went in there, we did the job, right? Our special forces did the job uh, back in 2001, but instead of um, instead of getting out immediately, we uh, stayed there for 20 years trying to rebuild the country, and. Um, and, 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 and so what happened was after 20 years and $2.2 trillion and um, 6,000 American lives, we had to withdraw and guess who's back in, in power, the Taliban, right? So I was, um, uh, so I basically wrote an op-ed that uh, the Biden administration has spent in five months more money on Ukraine than in five years in Afghanistan and how it's becoming a, another Afghanistan. And, um, and, and, and Putin was not gonna, is not gonna stop, by the way. I have an op-ed written five top reasons why he won't stop because it's an existential threat for them. And uh, I couldn't place it because it was, um, I was told, that it ran counter to the pro-Ukraine editorial policy of many play, and you can't like you cannot. And I have nothing against Ukraine, right? The yes, right. of course, you know we want everyone to live in democracy. We want Ukrainians. We want Afghanis. We want Syrians to live. Everybody. But the truth of the matter is, is that some countries are not. Uh, you know, are not good candidates for a Jeffersonian style form of government. This is just as plain as that. And as the American people right now, you know, a lot of people are struggling to fill their their gas tanks, right? Because the gas prices are so high because, you know, again, because of that silly, you know, sanctions policy because Putin sanction proved his economy. You know, before he went in into Ukraine, he has a PhD in economics. He surrounded himself with PhD economists who look at the battlefield very holistically. It's not just a military. And so we, that policy has backfired at us, right? But you can't say any of this stuff because there's a self-censorship that somehow people are afraid that if you say something like that, you're anti-Ukraine or you're anti, like, or you're pro-Putin or this and that. But the truth is we are Americans and we should look at our own national interest, right? Because what's happening right now, guys, we're helping Ukraine. We've committed about $62 billion, um, to help them, um, God bless them. They are under attack. Yes, it's all it's all horrible, and it's, and, and Putin deserves to burn in hell for for, for this. But um, so we're depleting our own weapons arsenal. The Pentagon is concerned about that. So Xi Jinping is sitting there, and he's just rubbing his hands, right? Because uh, we're degrading. Russian military, which is Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said, that is our objective with this war. Provide this is why we're providing this help. 
um, and we're weakening supposedly Russian economy. Never mind that the Russian ruble is actually the strongest currency right now, believe it or not. And uh, U.S. not U.S. economy is in recession. The European economies are in recession. The sterling pound dropped the other day to the uh, lowest level since 1985. Right. So. Again, um, where, where, where was I going with all that? So, so, so the point is this level of like incompetence is um, she, how are we going to defend Taiwan, right? Mm -hmm. How are we going to defend it is uh, if we're depleting our own weapon supply. So she's sitting there and thinking, oh, great. These two militaries, like they are... Um, eroding their own combat readiness, Russia and China, which are the top threat, uh, I'm sorry, Russia in the United States. Right. So, so I'll tell you real quick, this, it's not even a joke, it's something for real that Mao Zedong once said. It's a story of the monkey. Why the monkey? Because the monkey is uh, the right. symbol of, um, of um, intelligence cleverness, wisdom, and power in Chinese culture, right? So Mao Zedong said, a monkey is sitting atop of the mountain and is watching two tigers clash in a vicious fight. And the monkey is watching down there into the valley and not doing and, and just, you know, good for me. So this is what this is what Xi Jinping is doing right now. He is watching, you know, the Pentagon eroding our own weapon supply while we are supposedly weakening Russia's military capability. And uh, it's just great to him. But of course, we can't. Our experts, the so-called experts, cannot possibly, um, cannot possibly, you know, figure that out and have the strategic foresight um, to, to understand all of these things, because all we see is, okay, Ukraine, we need to help them. Well, never mind that our own border is violated. As long as we protect Ukraine's border, you know, we're great mission accomplished. So, sure. yeah, and that's, and that's one of the things. So one of the, my actual icon and, this, and this, the reason I am is uh, basically on the story of the monkey king. Right. So for me, the monkey king is I'm using the monkey king back against China because I do a lot with China. I study uh -huh. a lot with China. So I know the story of the monkey king, basically, in, in regards to China. Um, but it also seems like we're confused. And you talk again, you guys have got to buy the book because it, it breaks it down and you'll understand a lot more what's going on. But it's almost like we're confused. We think that everybody wants our way of life and everybody wants it. And when people when countries don't, we're like, wait, what? You don't want to be our friend. You don't want to be our you don't want our money. You don't want our our way of life. And, and I think a lot of Russian people who have been war a lot longer than we have um, in their own country and stuff, fight, you know, fighting have basically said, you know, even Putin has basically said, no, we don't, we don't, we're not your friend. Putin is not our friend. It, no. Trump's friend, he's not, and, and what I say this is, we deal with all of this disinformation on boot-level ground, like I typed in the email. We are constantly battling against things like Trump, Putin, and she are all out there saving the world together as a team. We deal with things that are, um, uh, Will, give some of the stuff that they, because you can rifle it off faster. 
for like all the all the misinformation and crazy right. stuff. And this is, you're right, and this is the stuff that is breaking us because we have no critical, no common sense, and no critical thinking. And this is what Russia does. And go ahead, Will, fire away. Let her listen to this. So basically, they've they've convinced like uh, some of the strongest right wing supporters that you know Putin's their friend. Putin's working with Trump. Uh, this is all not even real. Uh, the the war in Ukraine is just a cover for this. They're actually uh, securing bio labs and and they're making sure we're safe and and Ukraine is nothing but you know a, a bunch of Nazis and we had to do this and also uh, Xi Jinping is is part of it. He's a white hat or a good guy and uh, they've convinced. Like, yes. yeah. And like all three of those world leaders are Trump is is working with Xi Jinping and Putin to bring in some type of world government, which they're fine with now, even though five years ago, the, their biggest worry was the NWO or NATO or something like that. New world order, new world government that they're convinced that all this is part of a, a, a reset, even though they're scared to death of the great reset. This is a good reset that Trump and Putin and Xi Jinping are doing to to save the world from whatever Satanism. I don't I don't know, but yeah, and, it's it's wild what they believe. And Trump is still president, and and yeah. <laughs> I'm just an actor. And and why I bring this up is is you because you talk about this is that they. They've convinced the right, the far right and the far left both want communism in their own yeah, they, way. They've, okay. they've went so far around that they don't realize it because they call it different things. But the far left uh, wants universal basic income. Well, the far right now believes that this new reset that Trump and Putin and Xi Jinping are doing is going to give them universal basic income. Uh, they just call it um, they just call it allotments under what they call Nasara. They the far left wants universal health care. Well, they've convinced themselves on the right that they're going to get universal health care underneath these medical technologies that are being held back. And Putin and Trump and Xi Jinping are going to bring out like they've they've went so far to the opposite ends. It's it's not a line. It's a circle. And now they're standing back to back and they don't even realize that they're advocating for socialism and, and a lot of the things that come with socialism or communism it it's crazy and this is the stuff that you literally talk about the way putin ba putin like you said putin i i remember this i told you i read the book um sixth grade he was kind of a little bit of a punk right and then all of a sudden he realized okay i gotta smarten up and he got a law he was a lawyer he's a lawyer he's got a phd in economics um and and i think most likely he was a real you know a highly intelligent or a genius basically that just wasn't pushed and then finally he started to, he entered the kgp he entered the f what did, what did the kgb turn into FSP. And then he, the fsp and one of the things that he did like you said is he's just a communicator right he's just somebody that's what it says and it, this is the type of, of misinformation that is on on the level that we're at the boots on the ground on social media that what me and will go into and we try to say no 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 that's not true it is so bad down here on on the battlefield what i'll call it and it's and it's even though people are like oh you believe in russia russia didn't collude with trump but russia 100 did this like they 100 sent this in for this with she and china but russia this is was is Putin's? He's he's like you say in there. He admits it that he's done this in, interference in the election. He admitted it. Yes. In in, in speeches and stuff that he says, yeah, he, because he's a control person. 
And he likes being called names. He likes the fact that he did this to us and that we don't know. He'll slip it in like, of course I did it. Or did I? You know what I mean? Because right, it's, right, right. it's one of those aspects. And I think you did a fantastic job at breaking down this so people on the ground, the boots on the ground. But did you even realize that it it that this isn't disinformation has because I know you deal a lot with the with the obviously way up in in classified. But did you even realize that it's this bad down here at on the social media level that there are YouTube channels that will I know you have a YouTube channel also and I'll put it in there there are YouTube channels that will go from zero to five thousand subscribers if you start to push that Trump is still the president in a day. I had no idea. Now I'm learning something from YouTube. I had no idea that people on the far right have also subscribed to their yeah. idea of socialism and communism and free healthcare and free allotments or whatever you call them. Yeah. I, I was not aware of it. The only segment of the population that um, <clears throat> with whom who surprised me that um, they kind of favored Trump. And it's not everybody, obviously, but I've dealt with uh, a few religious conservatives and um, and, and, and I, I love religious conservatives. I sent you know my own kids to Catholic schools even though we're Jewish because I couldn't stand all the indoctrination in, in public schools. But I once uh, was asked after I gave a briefing at one of the Christian colleges, one of the ladies, uh, old nice Christian ladies came up to me and she said, well, Rebecca, you're wrong. Uh, my pastor knows the pastor who is Putin's pastor and Putin's this great, you know, Christian man and you're wrong. And, and I, I just basically politely explained to her that Putin is not, you know, who he says he is and Russian conservatism and American conservatism is two different things, you know, and, and, and like when you are like people who are in America, you know, the, the regular conservatives and who don't believe in socialism, they believe in freedom and liberty and in individualism, right? Because God gave everybody, you know, uh, life and made them all equal. And, um, and the Soviet and Russian and Chinese type of conservatism is the government gave you all the rights, right? They believe in the primacy of the the government effectively. And and so then that's the difference. And in reality, like, you know, Putin says he's conservative and, and Christian, but and Russia is this beacon, right, of Christianity. But like, for example, uh, abortion is through the roof. You know, alcoholism is, a, you know, divorce. Like, what? how can you... How can you say that you are this beacon of um, of conservatism? So it's two different things, but and those are the only instances that I know. But I didn't know what you guys are telling me. That sounds even more uh, frightening. And I'll tell you this: is that the intelligence community is not really looking at that uh, level at what you just uh, called the, uh, the 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 battleground um, and all of that you know, QAnon and all of that stuff because 
we're dealing with, you know, what threats yeah. and there's just only so many resources that you can have to uh, to look into and and also like the way that the U.S. law, national security laws are structured, like you know CIA and DIA and the intelligence community is looking at the foreign threats and DHS, you know, and you know some of it and FBI can look at some internal stuff, but it's not easy to go after those because again, because democracy is being misused. Right. And this is where I think a lot of, and this I, the reason I brought this up is, this would the, the how you explain this, you go into exactly what is going on here at our level because it's happening at your level, and this is what he does. He he, he sends misinformation. He grabs bits and pieces and makes it, he presents it to to you. So yeah, that makes sense. I could go with that. And yeah. then thing you know, you're believing that, and it's it's it is eroding the country and by social media. Um, and this is this is a big issue. It is a big issue, and uh, I just unfortunately people like have lost their ability, as you said, Sage, for critical thinking because we're bombarded, and right. um, and kids don't read anymore, right? Because they own these gadgets, and they're bombarded by these TikToks and Snapchat and and like and god knows what and and then there's this app uh that i didn't even know about but uh i one of my family members uh there's a russian app and i know it's russian something about like it changes you give them a picture and it can change you into like an older person or a younger person it changes you know what i'm talking about you probably know and it's a russian app and I was stunned, but I couldn't convince my family—not my immediate family, but uh, but right. he or my other side of the family in America—to like not ever to download this sort of stuff because uh, you know the obvious threat. And these countries, you know, they are so you know sophisticated in their understanding of our culture and what makes us tick and 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 what goes on with the young people they serve up all this you know stuff to us and we can't resist it and you can't you know it, it's it's just really really concerning and uh, i'm so glad that you're bringing awareness about this on your show because it needs to be dealt with and more people need to be aware of so they can apply their critical thinking because it kills me you know on the other hand like uh for example i am not happy that that let's say um some of the russian websites you can't get two right now right you know whether it's rt or some of the other stuff because as somebody who does intelligence i want to see what the adversary is saying to their own people and to everybody else so and to me like we have to be grown up enough and um to like discern what's disinformation and 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 what's not and if somebody believes that like whatever putin and she is saying you know then they deserve to be fooled right that's m one part of me says that because in the beginning of this operation i remember the special operation right the putin's invasion of ukraine on february 24th um i remember there were all of a sudden i lost access like like and I believe it's because we started our um, 
you know, our company started cutting access and I was like, oh my goodness, you just like really making my work impossible to do. And I had to do some, you know, some stuff. And, um, but on the other hand, like looking at it the way that you're looking at it, because people are so unaware, you have to educate them so they don't really deserve to be fooled. So I'm struggling like with these two different, you know, views, right? Like, like how much do you like, and that's like, this is why the Russians do that is they believe that if anybody is dumb enough to believe this, then they deserve to be fooled. This is what the Russians and, and, and I kind of, I sometimes I also like think that way, well, you know, can't you see that this is dumb? But then my other side, like, you can't really fault the old lady, you know, who believes this. It's the same thing when, like, crooks, you know, call these, you know, the, the old people and, and get them to, like, give them their bank account. And it's that way. It's basically fraud, right? And you can't prey on people. So so it's a tough one to address. You know, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And let me ask you one question before we go, Will. Um, yeah. The, you just used the word, and, and this is just a, a weird thing I'm going to probably ask. You just used the words discernment, right? Discern. Is that a word that's used a lot in the intelligence discernment? Or is that how, like, where does that word, where did you first, because I'm, and, and I'll, maybe you can tell me first before I say anything. Is that used in intelligence a lot, the word discernment? I don't, I think we use more the word detect. But a detect is a little bit different than discern. I think discernment is kind of my, is the word that I, I use. Detect is more like law enforcement. Right. Is more, um, yeah, it's, uh, and I think it comes basically, it's very hard to, to like identify these threats. If you do not have the frame of reference, right? I have the frame of reference on disinformation because I was the target and the victim of one growing up in the intelligence community, uh, I'm sorry, in the former Soviet Union. And then, you know, when I was in, in, in intelligence, then that was a useful thing. But Americans who grew up with freedom of speech have no frame of reference. And if you never experienced that, of course, it's very difficult to detect. Yeah, because I hear well, and the reason I ask is the word discernment. It not that it's new. I mean, I know what the definite. I know what, you know what it means, but it's used a lot more now. And I'm just trying to figure out where that word comes from. That I mean, why is it being used? Where it's being used by people that I wouldn't think would know that word. Does that make sense? So I'm just wanting to know if that was a word that, uh, and you just happened to use it. Not that I didn't think you would know what it meant. I I think you would, but it should, to me, I pick out words sometimes that. When I hear people using words, I'm like, that word's too big for you. Why are you using that it, word? It's also used a lot for people who clearly don't have an understanding to be making a decision that goes against all of the evidence. But they'll use it and say, like, all the evidence is pointing to that this this is not true. And they'll be like, I use my discernment, okay? You don't need to tell me it's not true. I discerned that it is true. Like, it, it's used it's used incorrectly by a lot of people who clearly don't have... Like you have a background in intelligence, you've studied Russia, blah, blah, blah. These are just 
regular people who watched a couple YouTube videos and suddenly their discernment told them Putin's their friend. You know? So I'm just trying to figure out if that, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out if that's used in Russian stuff or if that's used in Intel. I, I'm trying to figure out where this word came from that everybody who shouldn't be using it or doesn't know how to use it is using it. And it just, to me, it's just it, because it, to me, it, it, I just seem that's weird. So it's almost like, I know you should be using it, but a lot of the people I talk to are using it. So I just didn't know if it was a, an intelligent thing. Cause to me, if, if that's a Russian word, it's a part of, then it's, it's another way that I can prove Russia's in, in this whole thing. So that's why I I'm going to take, I'm going to take that one as my homework, uh, Sage. Like right now I don't have the, I think it's my own okay. like, the way that I use, um, in the community, we use the more word like to detect a threat, to identify, to detect the threat, discernment. Um, now, um, but I would I would take it as a homework. That's just me trying to figure out. Because sometimes, if I can figure out why certain words are constantly being used, I want to trace it back to where that what, what who started using that word. But go ahead, Will. Sorry. Excellent point. Um, can I can I um, say something? Sure. Yeah. Um, you gotta take off. I'm I'm gonna need to go. I, I sent you a text because uh, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Anyways, this was an awesome interview. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna end this one real quick. And and listen, um, we're gonna end this one real quick. She's gotta take off. I've had probably held her for way too much time. If you have not got this book, if you have not even downloaded it and listened to it, sticking your butt in your ear, ride the bus, whatever you're doing. But if you can't read, I don't care. Download it and listen to it. Um, or learn how to read because this is a book that's worth learning how to read. So I'm telling you, it will help you understand everything that's going on and help with the critical thinking and the processing that uh, of the information that you're getting so you can actually see that some of the stuff might actually be fake. So thank you so much for coming on, Rebecca. And like I said, you're, you're welcome to come on again. Uh, will, thank you for helping me. Anything you want to say before you take off? Um, what I would like to say is uh, thank you for having me on your show. It's uh, very important that Americans uh, have access to uh, shows like this, where it's a long form interview. It's not like, you know, five minutes where you can't explain anything. Um, it gives me the opportunity to really present what Putin's thinking is, where, you know, uh, Russia and China uh, are going and how this threat is evolving to uh, to our country, to the United States. And uh, I, uh, I'm very grateful to you that you're bringing the truth to the American people with regard to disinformation and all these other uh, very sophisticated strategies that our adversaries uh, use to target our country. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Sage. Uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, thank, and I thank you. That's your the best best interview i've ever had i enjoyed it thank you very much and that's i'll definitely pin your youtube channel onto the bottom of mine so people can click on your youtube channel also if you want us to be on yours you let us know we'll show up of course i definitely will my show is called censored but not silenced and i look forward to having you guys we'll put something on the books absolutely thank you so much all right i'll see you later rebecca okay take care guys